Hello and welcome to Cool Time Life. I'm your host, Steve Prentice. Here's what you need to know about this podcast series. Each of our Cool Time Life podcasts focuses on a topic dealing with people, productivity, and technology. An index of our podcasts, who I am, as well as subscription information is available at steveprentice.com under the podcast tab. When people think about managing time and becoming more efficient, they almost always look at their calendar and to-do lists to try and figure out how to work faster and how to prioritize. These are good thoughts, certainly, but they miss out on half of their workload problem. It's not just the work you have to think about. It's people. At the end of every request, problem, or opportunity, there's a person waiting for something. Whether it's a project you have to complete or a text message you just received, somebody is waiting for something and this can cause you stress. Time management is really about people management. It's about managing expectations, keeping people satisfied by addressing their fear of the unknown, building a personal credit rating, and learning how to exert influence. So let's look at all four of those. First is managing expectations. A recurring theme in the cool time approach to time management is proactivity. Proactivity means taking charge of an activity or an event before it happens and consequently affecting the outcome in your favor. Now think about every time someone sends you an email. What are they doing? They have sent something to you and now they are waiting for a response, for satisfaction. Until they get that response from you, they won't know what's going on and they won't know when you will reply. This is why many of these people might send a follow-up email that asks, Did you get my last email? But what if they have been taught, by you, that you only reply to emails, let's say, after 1 o'clock in the afternoon? If they know this about you, I know that sounds crazy, but if they know this about you, then they now have a frame of reference. Even if they send you an email at 9 in the morning, they will know not to expect a reply until after 1 o'clock. They will be, to some degree at least, at peace. Now, you don't have to hold the 1 o'clock timeline as the gospel, but by proactively managing people's expectations, you will be able to carve out more time for yourself and lose some of that stress along the way. Managing expectations means being proactive, then, making sure people know what to expect from you. So how can you do this? Well, first, by telling them. When you talk or communicate with someone, make sure to remind them about your policies. Any way that you can let people know what to expect about your behavior will shape their expectations and their behavior accordingly. Don't expect they will get it the first time. People do need repeat notifications for a message to get through. That's why you see ads so often on TV. If people wonder why you suddenly are replying to emails almost by appointment like this, you can always blame the changing times. Things are getting faster, times are not what they used to be, and you and your company or department are trying new best practices to do more with the time available. The bottom line here is this, you can manage your own time and tasks better if you first manage the expectations of the people who are waiting for you. Whatever timeline you choose, like responding to emails after two hours, or twice a day, or in blocks, that's entirely up to you, but make sure that they know and they can work around this framework. Number two is addressing the fear of the unknown. People have an innate fear of the unknown. Imagine, for example, that you were back in high school, first period gym class, and you're out there on the soccer field on a frosty morning, and the gym coach comes over and you hear one of the two following statements, which is the least evil of these two following statements. Either, go out there and give me 12 laps around the field, or go out there and start running until I tell you to stop. Which would you rather hear? Most people say they would prefer the 12 laps because it is finite. You know when it will be over and you can pull together the resources to get through the effort in front of you. This idea shouldn't be taken lightly. It addresses a fundamental instinctive need that all humans have, which is to know whether a situation will be a danger. But in this scenario, it's all about knowing how much energy you can spare, and that's a very significant instinctive concern. 
Knowing it's just 12 laps gives you a finite measure, a challenge that you can get through. When you proactively take the time to manage people's expectations, tell them when they can expect a return call, when they can feel safe again, you are doing much more than just being organized on your end. You are influencing people by speaking directly to their instincts. Number three is that bad news is better than no news. That's because people can start to make other plans, or at the very least, stand down from their state of anxiety once they know what's going on. It may not be the greatest situation, but at least it's something they can handle. Since we're talking about influence, we must look at Cialdini's Six Faces of Influence. Robert Cialdini is one of the foremost experts in influence, and he wrote a book called Influence, the Psychology of Persuasion. He describes these six faces of influence that each get people to do what you want them to do by approaching their psyche in different ways. These six faces are as follows. Number one, reciprocity. You give something to me, I feel obliged to give back. This is typical if someone has done you a favor and you feel obliged to respond. Number two is commitment and consistency. Developing and sticking to habits or people that we know and have become comfortable with. People are attracted to consistency because it gives them a sense of comfort. The way you dress, the way you speak, the way you conduct yourself. If you were to change these things radically from day to day, people would not know how to relate to you. Social proof is the third one. If I ask you to recommend a good restaurant or a good accountant, if I act on your recommendations, you have influenced my actions through social proof. In other words, another person's opinions or actions are sufficient to sway your choice. Number four is authority. We believe in and react to the authority of another. Basically, I'm the boss, do this work, or you're fired. You can't get much more influential than absolute power. But it does not always lead to the type of progress you may be looking for. People don't tend to put their heart and soul into working for tyrants, which can lead to errors, absenteeism, or people just simply leaving. Number five is scarcity. This is a key principle of a lot of advertising. Buy now, supplies are limited, or a weekend blowout sale. is a sense of urgency this will end very, very quickly. These types of messages try to influence you into buying or acting by making you believe you will be missing out on something that will never come back. And finally, there's liking. We like to work with people we like. This is by far the most effective. People just like to work with those who have shown them respect and acknowledgement and who make them feel good. The bottom line here is that influence is about getting people to do the things you want them to do. It's more than that, actually. It's about getting people to want to do the things you want them to do. Think of the times you've been waiting for someone else to get their work done or to show up to a meeting, or on the flip side of this, getting them to leave you alone when you're at work or on personal time. This is all more likely to happen if you can use one of these tools of influence, most specifically liking and reciprocity, to allow them to want to do this. It's been said by many experts in this field that the secret of success is to spend most of your time in your business, but a certain amount of time working on your business. And the word business here can refer to your job, your department, your schoolwork, or if you are a sole entrepreneur, then your business itself. This is a direct application of the 80-20 rule. Spend 80% of your time doing effective, profitable work, but spend some of the remaining 20% doing things like networking, managing relationships, marketing yourself, listening to others. All of this might sound pie in the sky and just adds to your existing workload, but in actual fact, it's about building a personal credit rating that helps cut back on work requests, especially those unplanned crises or simply the pressure of having people bothering you for answers or delaying you because they have forgotten about your deadlines. The net net of this is less busyness rather than more. More quality rather than less. Influence is about getting people to do what you want them to do. People are tribal by nature. 
They want to be part of something, like a group or a team, and most people like to be led by a leader they can believe in. Influence seems more like an art than a science. It is based on human relationships and interaction. So, to become more influential, understand the power of body language. People will tell you more through their body language than they will with their words. You can tell when someone is really engaged or nervous, even lying, by reading their hands, eyes, voice, and posture during conversations. You, too, can use body language as a tool of influence by consciously being aware of what your hands, eyes, voice, and posture are telegraphing about you and avoiding sending mixed messages through unconscious body language. Practice and demonstrate active listening. Active listening means using your knowledge of body language to demonstrate engagement and interest when you are talking to someone. This is not just about hearing their words, it's about giving them respect and dignity during the discussion. This in turn translates into greater loyalty and drive from the people you are talking to. Once again, people like to work with, and for, people they like, and this comes largely from a sense of being respected. The next idea here is to network internally. Networking is about getting to know people by taking the time to meet them. At first glance, this might seem like a waste of time, especially with all those emails and other tasks you have on your plate, but by budgeting a small amount of your time, part of that 20%, to network, to manage by walking around, to talk and to actively listen, you will develop a personal credit rating that pays off. How will it pay off? Well, people will read and reply to your emails and work requests more promptly, prioritizing you above other people. They will be more motivated to get their assigned work done more quickly and efficiently. They will be more motivated to show up to your meetings on time. In short, they will be more willing to do the things you want them to do through the power of influence and their sense of acknowledgement and comfort and liking. So, there you have it. That's my podcast and diatribe on the art of influence. If you have a comment about the show or a question you would like answered in a future episode, please do let me know. You can drop me a line through the contact form at steveprentice.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Stephen Prentice, S-T-E-V-E-N-P-R-E-N-T-I-C-E, and also on LinkedIn, just search for the Cool Time Life page. No spaces, just Cool Time Life. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review, and if you really like what you hear, you can help support us with a small donation of one or two or five dollars via PayPal. And thank you so much to those who already have done so. We greatly appreciate the help. The link to all of this is at steveprentice.com, once again under the podcast tab. The theme music for Cool Time Life was obtained through podcastthemes.com. And until next time, I'm Steve Prentice. Thanks for listening.